Let's just pray together. Lord, we thank you that we can come together. We thank you that we can rejoice in your presence and just come and relax as a family and um, yeah, acknowledge who you are, Lord, and acknowledge who we are in you and that we are family and we are your family. And um, Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that your presence would just come fuller and more, more abundantly, Lord, that we would feel the weightiness of heaven this morning. Your presence more fully, Lord. I welcome the angels here this morning to assist me. And just be in our midst. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to your word, that we would grow bigger on the inside. That we'd soak in your presence this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Um, this morning we're going to talk about soaking. Now, so it's all right if you, if you didn't get wet as you came in with the rain, because uh, we're going to soak this morning. If you've got your Bibles or your iPhones or whatever you've got with you, you can turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. John 15, it says, I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So Jesus, he wants to tell us, and he says again in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So that's a good, good thing to remember, that we need to acknowledge that without God, we really can't do the things that he asks us to do. You know, he says he wants to have his life and life full and abundant. But you can't have that outside of God. Yes, you can have a life and you might even have a good life. But I tell you what, it won't be the life that you were created to have, which is overflowing, full on, abundant. Yeehaw! To quote your phrase this morning, Shara, but it won't be that kind of life because God has so much more than we can even think or dream or imagine. He says he'll do exceedingly above that. So he says, without me, you'll do nothing. He's meaning you won't have that life that I want to give you. And so I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, vitally connected to me, will bear much fruit. So he's the vine, we are connected, vitally united to him. And when you ask Jesus into your life, that actually happens. He's the vine and you suddenly get grafted into his family. You get grafted into him. We belong to him. He belongs to us. We're in him. He's in us. We're like, you know, peas in a pod, kind of together. That's how it is. And, uh, and I wanted to just talk to you about why Jesus would use the imagery of a vine and we're the branch. Because what grows on a grapevine? Because that's, that's what, you know, often would grow around where Jesus was walking. And so he would use, he was a great illustrator. And so he would use things that would catch people's attention. Oh, yeah. So what grows on a grapevine? Grapes. And what do you make out of grapes if you want to drink something? Wine. That's right. And Jesus was very good at making wine because he made it. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see that he actually made wine. It was the first miracle he did. He made wine for a wedding when it was running out. So Jesus used the imagery of, I am the vine, you are the branches, and you bear fruit. But... Uh, he makes, he makes fruit in us. But I wanted to just turn with, if you turn with me to Psalm 23, and this is going to come up. Psalm 23, verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You prepare a table before me, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And some other translations say, Thou hast prepared a table before me against them that afflict me. You anointed my head with oil, and my chalice, which inebriates me, how goodly it is. Now, I've shared this word a few months ago, but I, I felt to just remind us a little bit. <clears throat> so here's, here's a table, a banqueting table, and, and you're a guest. And you come in, and it's laid out with fine food in abundance, and, and on it is a cup of wine. And when, you know, when, the middle, when you went to the Middle East, if you come, um, they frequently anoint their visitors with a very fragrant perfume. And then they give them a cup or glass in front of them, and they start to pour wine in it, and they pour into the, until that cup overflows. And um, they are careful to do that until it starts to run over. The first thing they're doing is anointing their visitor is to show love and respect for that person because it was a perfume and it was costly, and they wanted to bless that person. So they would anoint that person with oil that smelled beautiful. And the second, when they poured out that cup until it flowed over, is that while they remained in that house, that they would have an abundance of everything. Isn't that cool? And this is what the psalmist is saying about God. He says, God, you anoint my head with oil. I come into your presence. I come into your banqueting table. And I, and you, I come and you anoint me with your presence, with beautiful perfume and, and oil and, and to know you. And that I'm precious and loved by you. And then not only that, but that you pour out upon me your presence, not just a little bit, but till it overflows. And... Um, God wants us to enjoy that. If you went to a banquet and everything was overflowing, unless you were watching your calories, you would, if you hadn't eaten all day and you go to a smorgasbord, you enjoy it because you've, you haven't eaten all day, so you don't have to worry about the calories, do you? Yes? Or is it just me? Yeah? So you, you have a good time. Well, that's what God's saying, that he wants to have us know that you can ha just enjoy his presence. It doesn't have to be all hard work. And, and I'm not being very spiritual because I'm sitting there just soaking up his presence. God actually wants us to come to him and to understand that we can find pleasure in him and who he is and who we are in him. And that's okay. That's okay. And we can give ourselves permission to do that. And religion binds people up to say, oh, no, I can't be, you know, like that. But God in his word, you see that he anoints us with his presence, with his love, and his honors us, and then he overflows. You know, when God starts to move, he always overflows. I mean, can I just share a little bit? Philip, he was totally inebriated with the presence of God, so much so that he was face on the floor and couldn't move. Because God's presence overflowed him, and he, you know, and it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. And, it's, and that's what God wants to know. It's okay to enjoy him. It's okay to find pleasure and, and just rest in him. And we have to give ourselves permission to that. And sometimes a little religious mind comes up or society comes up and goes, oh, no, that's not proper. You know, but God, he, he, he has an order to things, but it's not our order. It's not our And you just got to look through the word to see that, that we you know where, where the priests came out and they were... Um, dedicating the temple, and they're like out with their fine robes, and everything was just smicko. And then what could they do? God's presence hit, it overflowed so much that they fell face forward on the ground in front of everybody and couldn't do their job. 
On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, you'll see that all those disciples had been waiting and they'd been praying and the Holy Spirit came, the presence of God came, and they were talking and speaking in other languages and they looked like they were drunk men, so much so that they said, what are these people doing? It's only 9 o'clock in the morning and they look drunk. And that's God's word, that his cup overflows so much so that it looks like you're inebriated. And it's okay. Now, I'm not saying that that has to happen, but I'm saying that when God touches you, that you just have to relax in his presence and let him do what he needs to do. Because I tell you what, you come out of those times with God and you're refreshed and you're lifted up and you're reminded of who God is and you've got the power to keep on going and doing what God's called you to do. If we go along without those times of letting his cup overflow in us, then we're going to get all dry and musty like a parched desert land. And you know in yourself sometimes when you feel, you know, like dry sandpaper on the inside, and God says, I want my cup to overflow. Here it is. And we go, oh, no. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you can enjoy this. And we go, oh, no, I'm too busy. Or, you know. So God, actually, the first thing I want to talk about in soaking in God's presence, so we need to understand that God actually wants us to enjoy his presence. He wants us to relax in it, to dabble in it, to lie back in it, to soak in it. It's okay. And, it's, and he wants to, us to receive from him, to drink from him, so to speak. And so when you look at the psalm, and, and that psalm that I, that I spoke to you, it's, it's that it's an overflowing of banquets, of fullness, of even being an ebriated. You know, anything the devil does, you see that everybody needs to have a drink to relax. So you get your beer, 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 anyway, that thing that you drink in the tin, and you get that, and, and everybody sits back and relax, and you know, that's how I relax. And, and sometimes that can go to an excess because people can't relax unless, or they can't have fun. You go to a party and people get absolutely smashed because they can't have fun. They can't let their hair down. They can't party unless they're drinking. You know what? That's just a counterfeit of the fullness of God. He says, if you come into my presence, you don't need to have that because you'll get it for free. And you'll have, you'll, you, you know, there's nothing compares to that. So you don't need to go there all the time. You don't actually need to have that to relax because God says, let my cup overflow in you. Let me give you what you need. Drink from me. I'm the vine, you're the branch. Drink from the good stuff that I have. I'm the wine, Jesus says. I'm messing with your heads a little bit. Jesus is the wine because he's the vine and wine grows on a vine. Amen. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation but be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Who, why, why do they say that? Because God actually wants us to be filled and not have to fill ourselves with spirits that cost, I don't know how much, down the bottle shop. You know, it's, it's okay as church can get, you know, and, and society sees churches that, this way, that you can get it's okay to get into deep intercession and groanings and utterances and down on your knees and crying and, you know, God, God, do something. And that's okay, mostly with the church. Yes, they're being spiritual. But we often get offended when somebody gets a little bit full of God. And I want to encourage you that we don't have to get offended because it's actually in the Bible. And he's been doing it for a long time. Yeah? Yeah? And it's part of our right that we would feel God's presence like that because when you get into God's presence like that, things lift off. Burdens lift off. 
Sicknesses lift off. Worries lift off because that's, that's where we're hooking into the vine when that happens. So it's okay to enjoy God's presence. Psalm 36 says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. Psalm 36, they feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the river of life. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. So I want to encourage you this morning. The best way to soak in God's presence, the best way to come and to draw closer to him is to understand that he says it's okay. And it's actually a gateway into eating from his house, his house in heaven is that we know that we can enjoy his presence. We know that we can come in, that he'll anoint us with his oil, he'll anoint us with his presence, and that he'll fill your crap up. And that's okay. And it's actually really scriptural. And I don't want, you know, there's not an us and them thing. But for me, when I hooked on to this, I thought, oh, I've been missing out. And you can feel like that, but you don't have to miss out. you just got to relax and go, you know what, God? I just want more of you. Whatever you want to do, I just want more of you. And it's free. He says, why labor for things, you know, you struggle when I have all you need? Come. Come to me, he says. All you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you what you need. And that's what he's talking about. He'll give you what you need. You know, I've said it before that Jesus is not a low-calorie Jesus. He is our feast. And we can feast of the abundance of his house. And we're to enjoy him and enjoy hanging out with him. And when we enjoy him like that, it frees us up. We begin to focus on him and not all the worries and things that can, can so easily entangle us. And we, and we begin to enjoy the life and the breath and the plan that he has for us. But I tell you what, because it's the enemy's plan and it's the world's plan and everybody around you will say, oh, no. You know, what about this? What about this? And your brain will go, oh, well, I can't relax because I've got to do this. You know what? If you don't relax, you'll burn out. If you don't come in and just get rid of your burdens and your worries, you'll end up at the doctor. Yeah? And you see that, and you might have experienced that in your own life. So God's saying, he's saying, I'm not low calorie. I'm not just enough. I'm not, I'm not somebody who can't break your burdens off. I can give you all you need. You've just got to come to me. And know, and know, and know that you can enjoy being in his presence. Because you tell you what, there's nothing else that satisfies. Once you get under the spout where the glory comes out, nothing else satisfies. And that's the way it's meant to be. And we get all dry and crusty on the inside, and you just got to get into his presence. Do whatever you can to get into his presence. So this morning, I'm going to teach you five points of how to come into God's presence. And not just in and out in and out, quick, quick, but to come in and soak. Who likes a long, hot shower when you're not getting yelled at to get out because the water's... I don't know if guys have bubble baths, but, you know, who likes a bubble bath? Yes? But you like a long, soaking bubble bath, a long, soaking shower, just to stand there and fall asleep if you need to. Yes? Yeah? On a cold morning when you've got time. Well, that's what it's like to come into God's presence and to soak. It takes time 
and, and, we, and we have to give that time, you know, and, and it's cheaper than pills, it's cheaper than anything you can buy at the bottle shop, it's cheaper than anything that the world can offer and it's, and it's lasting and it's good and it fills us up with God. And so I want to encourage you just to write down these points that are going to go up on the screen. Um, how to soak in his presence, how to just come in and be filled with him. Um, Matthew chapter 13 talks about, I'm not going to read it because it's a long passage, but it's about the seed and the sower, and that the word is like the seed. And this is a parable Jesus was, was talking to his disciples. And he said there was a sower, and he went out and sowed the seed, and he went into different soils. And if you've been around church more than probably six months, you would probably hear that, or you went to Sunday school, you'd hear about the seed and the sower. But it's in Matthew chapter 13, if you want to look at it. And there's a seed, Jesus said, is like his words. And the soil that the seed goes into is our heart. Now, when the seed goes into, into, our, into our lives, it's meant to bear fruit. It's meant to crop up and bloom up, yes? And it's very difficult when we're going through our life for that seed to remind in our lives if we're stressed and worried. And, um, you know, we can wonder why... It's not getting in, where God's word isn't getting in, why we can't hold on to it, why we feel worried all the time, why um, we can't feel God, why we can't hear God. Because God says, if you're, his, if you're one of his, his, you'll hear his voice. You'll know his voice. He says, you're my, I'm the shepherd, you're my sheep, you'll understand and learn to know my voice. And the best way to do that is to start reading the word. Because then the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of what we've read. But then as you get along and you know to rec- you recognize his voice, calling, you'll know that it's God. Okay, but he says, the word, that seed that goes out, is so easily crowded out by the things of the world, by the desire for other things, by the worries, by the deceitfulness of riches, by stress, by all the things the world and our weak throws at us. And that word is actually that you are loved. If you look through the Bible, constantly is affirming that you are loved, that you are precious, that God sees you, that he holds you in the palm of his hand, that he is for us, not against us. The world will tell you otherwise, you know. They even have a thing called act of God when there's a disaster. Yeah? The world will tell you that everything's not going to be all right, and yet God says everything is going to be all right. And so that word, that little seed, needs to stay in our hearts. And as we journey through with that, with that when we've soaked in God's presence, it enables that word to go and get in there and grow. And that's why it's so important to come into his presence. But some of the things that help us to do that is to let go of our burdens. Now, I've got an illustration here because I am visual, okay? So for those who are listening to the podcast or SoundCloud, this is a suitcase. And inside that suitcase is things that can get us down or things that we just have to do or things that we think we have to do. Now, it's kind of heavy. Now, this is my diary. Who has a diary on their phone or around the place? Now, if you're a list maker, you have lots of lists and you fill up the whole page in that day with your little list, don't you? And so when we come to God, 
We have so many burdens. And 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, let go of your burdens. He says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So step one of being able to come into God's presence and soak and get fill of him and, and just inebriate it if you want to be because it's good, is that we let go of our burdens. And one is our schedule. God says that he will give you strength to do whatever you need. He says, when you are weak, I am strong. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so you come to God, and yes, he knows all the things you've got to do, but he says, you put me first, and I'll make all those things work. Seek my kingdom first and my way of doing things, and I'll take care of the rest. And our brains and our schedule will tell us otherwise, but I've learned that if you trust God with your diary and you give him the burden, because it's quite burdensome, burdensome, isn't it? And your emails and everything. And now, when you've got your calendar on your phone, it pops up with these things and beeps at you. And if you don't look at it, it keeps on beeping again. Yes? So to give him a burden. So, Lord, I give you my schedule. And you give it to him. Because that suitcase represents all the stuff of your life that you are tugging along with you. I know, and it's, and it's very hard to run and yahoo and jump and run through the life that God has given us. It says, you know, run the race that God has set before you. And it's hard to run when we're lugging that thing. It's hard to run when we're burdened and weighed down with our schedules and all the other stuff in our suitcases when we're dragging ourselves. And he says, let go of your burdens. My burdens are easy and my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. And you don't have to carry all that stuff. Yes, we have life. But I tell you what, I bet you the stuff in your suitcase that he never planned for you to carry. Never, ever planned for you to carry. Yes, we have stuff we need to do, but sometimes we're doing stuff that we don't need to do. There's stuff on our schedules that we don't need to do. So give him your schedule and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? You know all the stuff, but what is one thing that is actually you've called me to do? And I tell you what, when you do that one thing, you get to the end of the day and go, yes. He knows your schedule, but he says, give me your schedule and let me work it out and wait on me. The other thing, oh, this represents, this is a beauty case that travels with me when I go places. So for the guys, I've got something else, so I'll pull it out in a minute. But this is, represents your self-image, how you think about yourself, what you look like when you wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror. It's all that weight all that burden, all that I don't match up, oh, I wish like I look like that person over there. It's all the comparisons we put ourselves through. And that's not just a female thing, I know. You know, you look at yourself and you think, oh, I wish I looked like him. Look how, look how, look at his abs. Why can't I be like him? He looks so calm and together. You know, he's still got his fingernails, hasn't chewed them off. You know, and it's like this represents us and our self-worth and how we feel about ourselves and who we compare ourselves to. And that's a burden. We were never made to create and created to compare ourselves to somebody else. You were made unique and precious in God's sight. And he says, I made you. And I didn't make you to be like her or him. I made you you. So give him all your comparisons and the burden of how I feel about myself. You see how easy it can be to pick up stuff that isn't from, isn't from of, of him. The other thing, well, I 
only could take one because it's too heavy. This is, Phil, it's workout things, but um, is, is, you know, a half. And all the things we've got to do and all the things we should do and all the weights we should pump and all the food we should and shouldn't eat, and it can become a burden, can't it? How am I going to fit that in? I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And how am I going to exercise? How am I going to eat right? And it can become a burden. And it's heavy. And it's a weight on us. And he says, you come to me and you give me your life. You give me your burden on that and just listen to me and I'll direct your paths. If you acknowledge me, I'll direct you. And when I prompt you, hey, go for a walk. When I prompt you to get out of bed, just do what I say. And we know. And he says, if you just do that, he says, it's going to be all right. But the burden of, you know, everybody's screaming, we should and shouldn't be doing that. And they're right. We should be doing those things. But don't let it become something that kicks us in the butt all the time and condemns us. Yes? So that can be something that we are dragging around with us constantly. I'm not good enough. I don't match up. And you know what? That mentality and that self-talk will sap any energy to do anything. We're so busy telling ourselves off, we've used all our energy that would have got us out of bed in the morning anyway. Watch what's going on in your head and watch what you're carrying. And don't compare yourself just to be the person, the best person you can be with God's strength. And say, okay, God, I'm just going to give you the worry of my weight, of my health, of not doing what I know I should do. And you know, there's plenty of help out there. If you want to have an exercise plan, go and see Shara. She'll make one up for you. And, um, and even Stuart, go and see Stuart down the back. He's got, oh, he will have you exercising and looking at him in no time. There we go. <laughs> all right. The other thing is, is study and books and all the things we should do. So of all the students, I'm not wrecking your book, Shara. You know, the weight of that can be heavy. We can think, how am I going to get everything done? How does this work out? And God's saying, just give me your burden. This represents your life. And we cart stuff around. And, you know, there are assignments and our exams and all the stuff we should be doing. And just give him it. Give him the burden of all the things that your life consists of. Mine is washing. This is a minuscule amount of my washing. But you can walk in and look at your house and go, how the heck am I going to get all that down? Now, we do probably three full loads of washing a day. That's not a week, that's a day. And if I don't do that, anybody that's seen into my laundry will know that it flows over and over. It overfloweth. Yes? And it can become a hassle. And then if you're in a house this morning, there is uh, all sorts of things and discussions going on because the washing didn't get folded, so it's overflowing down the hallway to the bedrooms. Because it has to be folded every day, otherwise you can't find the socks, you can't find anything you need. And so that can be a burden. And so that's my thing. I have to give that to God and go, you know what, I just need to chill and everybody just needs to do what they need to do, but I am not going to, you know, end up a screaming mess, which we did this morning because we couldn't find things, yes? So what is your thing that weighs you down and pulls you down and, and, and you know, because God says, give me your burdens because if you're so burdened down with all this stuff, how on earth are you going to come into God's presence and be able to acknowledge him? You're not. And that's how we live our lives. You know, this represents finances and bills and all those lovely things that sometimes you put on the fridge and sometimes you hide in some file somewhere. That and that can be a burden. And as you grow older, you know, and you've got to manage your own household and all those things, that can be a huge deal. 
And God says, bring me your finances. You just acknowledge me in your life and in your finances and I will provide. And we have seen that over and over again where people said, well, if you stop giving, we'll give you a house. Well, if you stop giving, then you'll have enough. And we've had to make choices to go, you know what? I'm going to choose to acknowledge God in all of my life, not just where it's comfortable, and he takes care of the rest. Sometimes it might not be money. Sometimes it's somebody walks in with a meal, and I've talked about how God is not a two-minute noodle God. He's a roast dinner God to some of you before, and that, you know, where we, we're living on two-minute noodles, and he walks in with roast dinners, literally, sent bang, bang, bang on the door, and here's two roast dinners. He's like that, and sometimes he does provide for our needs quite differently to what we expect, but if we just acknowledge him and give him the burden of that, then he's going to look after us, yes? Now, the other thing, oh yes, the other thing in our household is socks. Does anybody else have that thing where socks disappear into the, I don't know where there is a sock gremlin or something in a washing machine, I don't know, and there's a world of socks, but it's a washing machine, yes. It's not just us. You know, where do those socks go? And, that, and I, so I've learned to lay everything out because I listened to the Holy Spirit telling me, get everything laid out. Because if we didn't, Monday morning would be really scary. Okay? But it's the things that burden you. God will show you how to manage it. I still haven't found out where all those socks go, but anyway, somebody's happy. <laughs> so. Now, the other thing that we can do when we've got all our burdens is we go looking for somebody else's burdens. Can I have your burden down there, that thing you carry around with you? How heavy is yours? Oh, yes. Uh, so we, we look and go, oh, you know, I've, I've heard. And, you know, it says to care for one another, and, and, but it doesn't say that then you carry around her burden and then my burden and, and, and then, oh, look, let's go and get, oh, you know, Hannah, how are you going? Can I have a burden of yours, please? Yeah, and we are meant to listen and care and pray for one another. But then we're not meant to just go gathering up everybody else's. No, I'm just an illustration so you get this. You go, and our mind's falling over. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, exactly. We start, can I have yours? Oh, Belle, have you got a burden, please? I have yours. She's got it. There we go. Oh, yours is all flowery. Lovely. So here we go, and what are we doing? We're falling apart. Oh, totally. And people look and go, oh, my goodness, and they're meant to know Jesus. <laughs> yeah? You know what Jesus says? You need to return the burdens. <laughs> you go be blessed with not burdened. Is, is he says, give me, give me and cast all my, your burdens upon me because I care for you. Sorry. Thank you. There you go. So let go of your burdens and, and don't pick up everybody else's. Yes, we're to care for one another, but then give it to Jesus and leave it there. If you carry everybody else's burdens and everybody else's worries and their stuff, you are going to look like a mess and you're going to fall apart. You will fall apart. You'll end up at the doctor on antidepressants, on anti-anxiety medication, on you need to go for a holiday. You know, and, and you will fall apart because you need to give your worries and your cares. It says, you know, constantly in the Word, it says, do not worry about the things of the world. Do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, about what's going on. Seek me first and my kingdom and my way of doing things and all the rest I will add to you. 
So step one of coming into God's presence and being able to soak and know him and know his presence and know his voice and have him leading and guiding us deeper is to let go of your burdens. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. And that's so much easier when you're not God or your stuff that's whirring around in your head and weighing you down physically and emotionally is that you can come and be still. And yes, it does take practice to do all this. But, you know, our walk with God is a journey. And he doesn't expect us to have it all right and then it become a condemnation thing. He says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't go, well, I can't do that. You know what? It's practice. And it takes practice to come into the presence of God too. And it takes discipline to go, you know what? I'm leaving my burdens and I'm stilling my heart and mind. Be still and know that I am God. That means to acknowledge that he is God and have his perspective, that everything is going to be all right, that I've got you, that I'm going to be, I care for you, that I love you. Number three is recollect him. Center on him. It's much easier when you've not got your stuff. Instead of centering on all your world, you let go of the world and you center on him. And you focus on him and recollect him. And I encourage you to build into your life where you remember him. What are things that trigger you to remember him? You know, that's different for everyone, but I highly recommend coming and putting music on, have your iPod or whatever you listen to music on, and get some praise and worship music and listen. You know, is it, is it a beautiful sunset? It is, is it the surroundings? Is there a place that you go to where you can just relax and reflect and focus your attention on heaven and focus your attention on Jesus? Because if you turn towards him, you know, you're suddenly you're recollecting him. You know, that we've been saying it over and over again. Set your minds on things above, on heavenly things, because you, that's where you actually belong. You know, we've got to walk the walk, but our, our job is to bring all that heavenly stuff down to here. You know, we can be much more effective in our lives and much more helpful to others if we've got the stuff from heaven and bring it down. And that's what God wants for us. And that's why we get so busy. Because I tell you what, there's somebody else that doesn't want us doing that. So recollect him. Place things in your life that help you to remember him. Tozer, who's a famous um, author and theologian, said, Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God wills that we should push on into his presence and live our whole life there. God actually wants us to push on into his presence and live not just Sunday or 10, 15, even an hour every day, but actually to be able to practice the presence of God wherever you are. Practice stepping into that place. So when you're at work, that you just can go, oh God, I just turn my face to you, affections to you. I thank you. I thank you that you love me. I'm in you. You're in me. And straight away, as you start to practice that, wherever you are, you can know that God is there. Where you're at work, whether you're driving your car, he'll look after that. But, you know, it's, it's that he's there with you. And his is that we would live our whole lives there, not just little segments or compartmental, you know, compartmentalizing everything. Number four is prosper your soul. John, 3 John 1 verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, your soul is your mind, your emotions, it's, it's your heart, you know. It, your spirit is always zinging. 
It's, you know, it's, it's renewed, it's, it's recreated, but our soul is the, is the physical side. It's the heart and emotions. And so we need to be careful that we are prospering, that we are doing things that prosper our soul. Now, as, as people, we can sometimes go, oh, no, I can't do that. That's selfish. You know, I've talked to people recently that have never had a day where they just sat and just prospered their soul. I said, when did you last do that? I've never done that. I've never done something that brought me joy because you've got to remember that above all else that God wants you to enjoy him and enjoy the life that you have been blessed with. You're here for such a short time and he wants us to enjoy it because when we do that, we glorify him and draw others to him, but mostly just because he loves us and he wants us to enjoy him and the life that we have been given. Enjoy the fact that you can Take a breath. Are you all breathing? God gave you that breath. He gave you that life. And above all else, he wants you to enjoy it. He says, I have come that you might have full and abundant, overflowing life. The devil, he comes to kill and to destroy and rob you. But I have come, Jesus says, to give you full and abundant life. And so often we don't live that in our whole life because we don't do the things that he says. Give him our burdens. Know that he is God. Recollect him and remember, hey, God is with me. God is for me. And we don't let ourselves enjoy things. Oh, no, I'm too busy. Oh, no, everybody needs me. You know what? They can wait while you prosper your soul and then you'll be much better off for the rest of the week. You know, I have this great Tuesday morning where I sit up I take the kids to school and I sit up with my, with my chai latte and I have my worship music on, I have my Bible and I listen to some messages from other places and I prosper my soul. I have my electric blanket on when it's cold and I sit there all morning doing absolutely nothing except just hanging out with God. It's lovely. You know, I haven't always been able to do that but now that the babies are all growing up on me, but there was other things that I would do. Sometimes I would just walk through a garden when one of the kids was at a music lesson. I'd say, I'm just going to take 10 minutes and prosper my soul because that prospers me. You know, Philip, he'll head down to the beach because that prospers his soul. Is it just drinking a good cup of coffee? Does that prosper your soul, Matt? Yes. What prospers your soul? Maybe it's, you know, getting out on a dirt bike and making a lot of mud and I don't know. What prospers your soul? And sometimes we don't even know or we've forgotten Watch a child. They know how to prosper their soul. You know, they just, you haven't lost the ability to enjoy life. So what is it that prospers your soul and, and do it? Put it in, I'm going to do this. Because otherwise, I'll tell you what, you get more wrinkles, your hair falls out earlier, you go greyer, and you get things wrong with you because you're not looking after that life that God has given you. Prosper your soul. I give you permission to have fun. Are you receiving it? <laughs> it's really important to build triggers of joy into our lives. God actually doesn't need anything from you. Your efforts are not necessary. Did you hear that? God doesn't actually need anything from you. Your efforts are not necessary. Those little strivy people amongst us, they're not necessary. The do, 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 do. You just got to be, 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 be. I learned this early on when I had Anna. 
and I was busy trying to be this, you know, fantastic wife and mother and be at everything. And, and God said, what are you doing? You're busy doing instead of being. Breathe, girl. And I learned it early on, which is really good because I had five more. Yeah, and I wouldn't be a wreck otherwise. But I've got to remind myself, and when I don't, he does. You know, so if you've got people around, you say, Mum, just be. Yeah, hey, just be. Just go and do something you enjoy. Okay, build triggers of joy into your life. Figure out, what do I actually like to do? And if you're not sure, this is what I tell people to do, is try three new things this month and see if you like them. If you don't like them, well, go and do something else. Shara is really good at this. She has a list of all the things that she wants to try. So what have you done? You've swum with dolphins. What else? You've gone to bounce, been to the zoo. (laughs) She has a list of things because she's a little joy bubble and noisy one. But she takes people with her, doesn't she, Jay? Did you have fun with the dolphins? Would you have done it? Would you have thought to do it? No. So Shara will help you because she's actually quite good at this. She makes a list of things that she wants to do that prosper her soul. And if she's not sure what she likes to do, she gives it a go and, and goes, oh, well, I like that. No, I didn't. Okay, so go on the internet. Things to do. Some things, yeah, we'll just stay there. Things to do. All right? So God actually wants us to be happy. And you know what? We move his heart and touch his heart when we are enjoying him and the life he's given. He actually, it gives him a happy. You want to do the best thing you can do to bless God is be happy. Just enjoy the life he's given you. Even if it's just the simple things of walking through a garden or going and have a good cup of coffee or whatever it is that, that blesses you because when you enjoy that, it blesses him. Isn't that awesome? That's the easiest way to bless God is to, is to enjoy life. Enjoy life. Pleasure is meant to trigger us into his presence. Whether it's hugging, eating, drinking, shopping, in the garden, the beach, the sunset, he loves it when we are happy. And I want you to watch something here, is watch out for your joy stealers. There's things in our life that, (laughs) what is that? Yeah, that would steal your joy, a jellyfish. (laughs) Hey, Anna. They do steal your joy. But um, there's some funny things about jellyfish, though, but I'm not going to share it when I'm talking. (laughs) But um, watch out for this joy stealers in your life. And we probably all know straight away some of the things that steal our joy. But watch them because you'll be having a happy and just, you know, oh, that was a great day, and bang. You know where those joy stealers come from? The stinky devil. He says, I come to give you fullness and joy and joyful life, Jesus said, and then the devil comes to rob you. So don't let him. If something goes bad, just say, it's going to be all right. Your car breaks down, it's going to be all right. Thank you, Lord, that you're with me. Thank you that provide and start to speak what God says, you know. And, and you know, can I just, Anna and Ivan's car broke down and we were going to go and help them tow at 8.30 on Friday night. You know, I ring Anna up and she's giggling. I'm like, okay. I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, we're having fun. We're just going to get the car and we charge it. And every few, I don't know how far you got, Ivan, (laughs) every little way, they had to stop and recharge it. And they did that four times to get home. But they were laughing. I thought, there you go. Either newlyweds are madly in love or they just know that not to have their joys stolen. (laughs) Yeah? Watch out for the joy stealers because God says they'll come. But watch they don't steal your joy. You know, remember what God says, that I am with you that everything's going to be all right. When the washing machine breaks down, it's going to be okay. You know? It's going to be okay. 
Um, if we forget Jesus for a few hours, turn to him again and tell him you love him. Tell him you thank him. Be thankful. If you forget about him and you've not been recollecting him, I encourage you to turn and just focus on him because straight away his, his presence will come and that burdens and the worry and the, those things that have been busy in you will just lift when you turn and recollect him and you prosper your soul. The beautiful things of heaven, are sh- the beautiful things of earth are shadows of heaven and they're meant to trigger us into the realms of the spirit and turn our attentions toward heaven. So it's really important to place things in our life that are beautiful, that are joy triggers, because those things are put in there. They're shadows of heaven. Heaven is the expansion of every good thing on earth. Remember, God created earth. Heaven is just an expansion of that. So it's important to understand, to allow the beautiful things of the world to trigger us into the spirit realm, because they will. When we're rejoicing in the sunset, you know, my mum, she's not here this morning, but she's living up in Araloo at the moment in this amazing place. And I went for a drive up into the hills. And I really encourage you, if you've got half, half a day or even a couple of hours, to go up to Araloo and up in the hills because the scenery up there is stunning. The, all the autumn colours are out and it's just like you look down in the valley and I tell you what, God, God just hits you. It's like God is in that, you know, there because and it's like... It, and, and she, she's standing there crying because it's so beautiful. So I encourage you to look for the beautiful things because they're actually shadows of heaven. They're actually heavenly things that God has put there for us to draw us closer to him. Philippians 4.8 is one of my favorite passages. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just and pure and lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue or anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Why? Because those are things that draw us closer to God. It's so easy to focus on the negative and the awful stuff. And sometimes you can have people in your life that will go there. and It's quite funny when you realize. But he says, whatever is true and lovely and praiseworthy and good, focus your attention on those things. Meditate on those things because it draws you closer to heaven and, and, it come, and you come into his presence much easier. Lastly is to watch your mind and emotions. Our mind and emotions can often hinder us from drawing closer to God. And a lot of it is to do with our burdens and not being still and not prospering our soul. And we haven't been doing those things, so everything's out of sync. If we bring those things into line, our mind and emotions are often better. But sometimes you've got to talk, to talk to yourself. And we talked about that a few weeks ago about our self-talk can be absolute rubbish and we've got to get God talk happening. Um, Galatians 5 says we're to walk in the Spirit. That's, walking in the Spirit is knowing who you are in God. It's denying the flesh. It's saying, you know what, I don't want to go the world's way. I want to go God's way. It's putting Him first and it's listening to His leading and it's praying. And if you pray in tongues, that's a great way to walk in the Spirit as well. It's about taking every thought captive. You know, you have these rubbish thoughts. I call them stinking thinking. And 2 Corinthians says to actually take every thought captive and look at it. And is that from God? No, it's not. We take it captive and take it to Jesus. And to speak peace to your emotions. Jesus is our peace. He says, I am your peace. He says, why are you troubled? I am your peace. 
So actually watch what's going on in your mind and your emotions. When you come into God's presence, if you're watching what's happening, and then you can actually speak. So this is a prayer you can say. You can say, I call my spirit because you're you're a new creation in him to govern. In the name of Jesus, I command your mind and emotions to come under my spirit. Spirit, I command you to come over the government of my mind and to take your rightful place. We're not meant to be, you know, the song says, don't lean on your own understanding. If you're led only by your mind, you're leading, it's leading you away from God often because it's not acknowledging him. My mind actually has to be renewed by what God says. So you say, Spirit, you rise up above everything else so that I am in tune with God and what he is doing. And when you do that, things settle down and you get a peace. We're meant to be quiet pools on the inside, not ah, 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 craziness, yeah, falling apart. Enjoy his presence, lastly. It's like God wants us to be like two old friends on a park bench, and I've used this illustration before, of just enjoying each other. You don't even have to talk when you know somebody really well, do you? You just sit in the sunshine, enjoying the scenery, and just sit and enjoy his presence. You know, you don't have to talk clocks. God already knows what's going on. Just sit. Be still and sit. And it changes your life. You know, you get through the end of the day and you go, you know what, I'm so much peaceful. And it actually does change you. So those things, understand God, that he wants us to enjoy him. Give your burdens to him. And try not to pick up everybody else's. Be still and know he is God. Recollect him and center your affections on him. Prosper your soul. What is it that builds joy, triggers in your life? What is it that makes you glad you're alive? And sometimes that takes practice and you might need some help to figure that out. You know, try some stuff. As I've said before, you know, if you're wanting more friends, then do some extra stuff. If you want to meet somebody, they'd be interesting. And the great way to do that is try some stuff because your conversation changes. I mean, we couldn't get Shara to be quiet when she went swimming with We don't usually get her to be quiet any time. But when, when we went, she went with the dolphins, it was like, blah, 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 blah. you know, she was so excited. But you know what? That's what God wants for us, that we do things that make us just, yay, on the inside. Walk in the spirit, not ruled by your mind or your emotions. And, uh, and then you can soak in his presence. You can come into his presence and you know fullness of joy. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you're such a good God and that you do want us to just come into your presence and know you and have all those things that so easily weigh us down, lifted off. Lord, I pray that as I've spoken this morning that the things that we all need to hear will just sink into our hearts, even if it's just one thing that we need to shift in our lives, Lord, that you would encourage us, that you'd remind us, Holy Spirit, as we go through this week, that we're reminded of maybe just one or two things that we need to just adjust so that we might come in to know you more. I pray a blessing on each person here. Lord, that we would have a fantastic week, that we would know, um, just know joy this week. I pray burdens lifted off. I pray your healing hand, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.